At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Namaste Motherfuckers, the only podcast where the worlds of work, comedy and well-being collide. The podcast where the life-changing stuff happens. I'm your host, Callie Beaton, and this episode is called Queen of Soho, and today's theme is booze. And do please, as always, remember to rate, review, and recommend the show. It all helps people to find us. But back to today's show. About one third of all the alcohol sold in the UK is consumed by about 4% of the population. About one third of the alcohol consumed by 4%. And I've dated most of that 4%. If everyone in the UK stuck to the recommended 14 units of alcohol per week, alcohol sales would fall by 38%. But we're not all drunk all of the time. Around the world, tea outsells coffee, soft drinks and alcohol combined. Good old cup of tea. Over in the United States, Google searches for liquor stores near me reached an all-time high during election night in 2020. And before Coca-Cola came Coca Wine, which was a mixture of cocaine and alcohol, much like having a media career in the 1990s. And fans of Coca Wine were Queen Victoria and Jules Verne. And Ernest Hemingway survived not one, but two plane crashes in the space of two days. He was believed dead, as you would be, until he was spotted emerging from the jungle, carrying bananas and a bottle of gin. I'm all right, how are you? That's today's guest, Alex Robson. So a few animal alcohol facts. Animals that eat more fruit have a higher alcohol tolerance, so chimps can hold their booze better than horses, which raises the question, how do we know? Chimping merry is 18th century slang for being exhilarated with liquor. There'll be lots of people chimping merry after their office Christmas dues. Dwarf hamsters can drink 10 times the amount of alcohol it would take to get a human drunk without displaying any signs of drunkenness. But some rodents do display drunkenness and scientists can measure the effects of alcohol on rodents using something called, and this is a real thing, you can Google it, in fact we'll put it in the show notes, something called the wobble scale. So the scale goes like this, zero, no wobbling, one, wobbles while stationary, 
2. Wobbles and falls when stationary 3. Falls when moving 4. Falls onto side and can't get up and it stops at 4 because at that point it has to stop Poor little rodents Yes, I'm at home today yeah. I would expect yeah. nothing yeah. less Alex Robson is the co-founder of King of Soho, the premium spirits brand she created jointly with fellow entrepreneur Howard Raymond, son of the late theatre and club impresario Paul Raymond of Raymond's Review Bar and Madame Jojo's fame. Alex, originally from the North East, comes from a long line of entrepreneurs. She is self-described as fearless and there's not much she hasn't done from shipping in Russia, to supply chain management in the Netherlands, to space projects for an Apollo 15 commander. Hell, she's even touched moon dust. Yes, touched actual moon dust. She's also the founder of the Queen of Soho Business Forum for fellow entrepreneurs and creative spirits. And she's a popular media pundit. Alex and I talked about Soho, sliding doors, space, hedonism, fear, gender, business, branding, bars, entrepreneurialism, Paul Raymond, Elon Musk, ego, money and mentoring. But we started by talking about being women of similar age in similar businesses at a similar time. both living <laughs> exactly <laughs> and that. apologetically I mean that's always there I mean that's probably the main thing we have in common here yeah, yeah we're not gonna yeah we're not gonna go no. quietly into that good night no. we're def- def- definitely not that's not a the night might be good <laughs> but we're not going quietly no we are not going quietly and I guess having a yeah having a business that is rooted in Soho both in terms of you know the influence and I guess you're not um I'm guessing you're not averse to the nightlife of Soho or this brand would never have been born yeah I mean I, I, I just I do I do like I do like going out and sort of like you know wandering the streets of London for want of a better word but my office is in Soho so it's quite dangerous when I'm sort of on my way home and of course I have to stop at bars to chat of course you know, and it's your business exactly <laughs> it's a, are you sort of no I guess you know you must be um able to get free drinks in a lot of bars where people are like oh god Alex is coming in or Howard your business partner's coming in let's roll out the freebie I think I'd probably get more freebies than him <laughs> excellent <laughs> queen queen of free shit yeah <laughs> maybe that's what we'll call this episode <laughs> Yeah, that's quite a good title. <laughs> so how did you get so, so well for anyone who doesn't know, um, and we'll put links to all of this in the show notes, yeah. but you're your co-founder of King of yeah. Soho. Just tell us Correct. in a couple of sentences what King of Soho is. Um, but I'm very interested in the backstory. But yeah, tell us what it is first of all. Okay, well, King of Soho, we well basically we're we're a spirits brand and we uh we make premium spirits. And we are based in Soho, and the brand is named after a chap called uh, Paul Raymond, who was the original king of Soho, and who is or was my my business partner's father. And he passed away a few years ago, and it was just after he passed that we decided to launch this brand to celebrate his life and his legacy, which is the Soho we know today. 
And if people don't know who Paul Raymond was, they will know his legacy. So he was a theatre and club yeah. impresario. And if you know uh, Raymond's Review Bar, if you know Madame Jojo's, then you have yeah. Paul Raymond to thank for those. Yeah, that, that that's the one as well. So, um, I mean, he was quite a character. He also had a series of very naughty magazines, which he was also quite famous for. So he was he he sort of brought pleasure into people's lives. I mean, he was he was he was a fun character. And he, and he thought people should sort of amuse themselves in whatever way they saw fit. <laughs> and absolutely, and one can't argue with that, albeit that the world has changed in terms of how we how we put that out in the world. But yeah, in terms of so he was kind of like well, not the original hedonist because I believe hedonists have been around for a long time. It being, I believe, a Greek word, but ancient Greek. But is it um, in terms of that kind of idea of? hedonism and what Soho used to be because in some way I'm interested to know what your thoughts are about it because I've lived in London since I was 18 and so whatever that is 35 years ago I moved mm -hmm. here and I've lived here a lot of the time since not all of the time and yeah. in some ways Soho feels different but actually there's also a bit of the essence of Soho you don't have to look very far to also find what I feel like Soho always was but what's your view of it? Well, I think you've definitely got the essence there. I mean, it's very much a community. And for, for me, I mean, what's great for me is, you know, I work in Soho. I'm, I'm part of a couple of the Soho alliances and societies. Um, I also, a few years ago, in 2018, I did a pop-up, um, which was a pop-up gin palace. And it was actually in the first property that Paul Raymond had purchased in the 70s. Um, because obviously, before you start buying property, you've got to make a bit of money, haven't you? Um, so he did his theatre and clubs, and then he started buying buying up property in the late seventies. So this property, it was just before they were about to renovate it. I got my hands on it for a few months, and I set up sort of an old, an old, an old Soho type haunt, and it was great fun. And and the the beauty of it was, I was in Soho every day, and I was literally there. I mean, I would finish like one two in the morning, and I'd be back at nine o'clock. You know, so I was I was I was literally living in it. And and it was great because it, it really embedded me within the community because I'm actually from the northeast of England. Yeah, there's a slight not hard, a I know you're a proud northerner. It's yeah. hard to detect. No, yeah. you've gone very gone very southerner now, I reckon. A little bit. What do people think back home? Do they think you've gone all posh south? I think I was posh north. <laughs> <laughs> where where northeast were you are you from? Oh, I well, basically, you know, I'm, I'm, I was, you know, I was born in Sunderland, went to school in Durham, and grew up in Newcastle. You know, okay. I mean, literally, Hines fifty seven, and, and my mum's family came from Durham, and my father's family came from Northumberland. Uh, so we're, we've got, I've got very strong northern roots, and my mum's family also came from Scotland. So really, it was that kind of whole, that whole of that northeastern sort of seaboard, so to speak, is is probably what I call home. I mean, it's. Um, but I think that's why for me Soho is um, it's a place that I feel very comfortable in because it's it's like in the north we're, we're quite friendly you know we're all quite outspoken we, we you know we we own it and I think that's the thing about Soho you know you can be who you are and you and you can own it and and it doesn't matter and it doesn't matter whether that's sort of the extreme interpretation or someone who just wants to sort of wander around in an anorak. And, and a pair of slippers. You know, what I mean, it's there's or you know, you dress up and in and in sort of beautiful clothes and like you know, wacky heels and and fabulous clothing. I mean, I think that's the point about Soho. You you can be who you want, and it can be as quiet or as loud as you want it to be. You know, 
people very much accept you as who you are and you're, and you're embracing this very, very strong sense of community there, very strong. There is, it always um, strikes me, anyone who lives in Soho, and obviously people do, I've had a couple of friends who, no one yeah. who's lived there permanently, but people who've lived right in the heart of Soho, yeah. and it, and you really are sort of in the thick of sort of 24-7 life, aren't yeah. you? It, doesn't, it definitely doesn't go to sleep. It, it, it doesn't go to sleep. I, I don't, and also, it's not just people who live there, like, residentially staying at night. A lot of people work there, and if you think about it, we probably spend most of our time at work. So if you work there, it becomes home um but I mean it's it's definitely I mean it's it's friendly isn't it yeah it's definitely friendly and it also yeah. has um I, I don't know how it was for you I don't know when, when did you first live in London when did you because you, you studied at Bristol I I studied at Bristol and then after Bristol I came to London for a short time then I lived actually I lived in Russia for a bit yeah I saw that you speak do you speak yeah. Russian I do you've got to be careful these days you don't want to be turning that out in the wrong place at the wrong time (laughs) I mean I mean it's um yeah it's a bit strange now because obviously when I went over there it was when things were opened up and we were welcomed and of course at the moment the situation is is completely uh I mean it's I mean, I mean, I don't think any of us could have imagined, you know, the war in Ukraine and, and all the things that are going on at the minute. I mean, it's just chaotic, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, even a year ago or two years ago, yeah. we couldn't have imagined it. And is it, so what age were you when you went off to live in Russia? Oh, I, I lived in Russia during my 20s. I mean, it was an adventure, you know, I, I was naive. <laughs> are you quite, I was looking at you, when I look at your background and how you live, yeah. like you seem to yeah. me, I'm underneath it all, all the bravado, I'm absolutely yeah. terrified of lots of things and not massively confident. And I would yeah. have been absolutely shit scared to move to Russia on my own. I don't know if you did move on your own, but to move to Russia in my 20s for work, I would have been terrified. Um, I, 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 during my 20s I, I really had no concept of fear it, it wasn't something that I really thought about I just literally would just get on with stuff but I mean I mean I suppose, I mean I'm confident now I think when I was younger I mean I was I was a kid who used to hide behind the sofa so for me confidence is something I've had to develop it didn't come naturally to me but the fear thing I never had it but again I wonder if that's slightly linked to naivety and I didn't really know I mean I probably even now I'm probably slightly fearless, and I, but I, you know, I think fear is a funny thing because it's something we have to overcome because it can hold us back. I think there was one period of my life where I, I, I know I felt fear to some degree, and it was unusual for me. And what was so that probably, period? Oh, I think it was sort of, um, oh, it was, it was, um, it was. Well, I, I sort of. Um, I, I, it was sort of, I, I, was, I was sort of suffering. It was a period when I had a little bit of ill health. Um, well, it was ill health caused by some, well, some dental work that went wrong and it was all a bit tits up and it sort of damaged the nerve in my face and it was all a bit, oops. you know, things happen, don't they, in life? Um, I think at that period, I, it was the first time in my life I, I felt fear because I'd gone into somebody I trusted and, and they damaged me quite badly. And, um, and then it permeates, doesn't it? that permeates life but you know you you, you pick yourself up and yeah very did it affect how you we saw, get on with it did it affect how you saw whatever happened with the dental work was it something that was a kind of aesthetic change as well did it affect how you felt I mean, or how you looked well it wasn't the aesthetics because aesthetics can be fixed it was it was the fact that it, it triggered a um a facial pain situation so you're me. in perpetual pain yeah so and, and it wow. went on for about 10 years 
and, wow. and that and then affects every single part of your body but you know it, it's like everything you know we all have our challenges and to be honest it's not something I've, I really talk about um and this is the first time I've actually sort of mentioned it but you know when you live with something like that you know it makes you stop and think when something like that happens to you because it you know it was I was damaged by people I trusted and and, and, it, and it was the nerve in my face and you know you can't get away from your face and you, you don't want to be on painkillers all the time. So, you know, but I, you know, I got my head around it. I managed it, you know, and, you know, and I sort of got on with life. But it's, and that's, it probably sounds, well, the way I put it is it sounds a lot easier than it than it was. No, it doesn't sound, I think anything, anyone yeah. who's even had like a yeah. toothache or a headache, it's funny, isn't it? There's certain types of pain yeah. where you can sort of literally yeah. put it at arm's length. But as soon as yeah. there's anything in your face or your head, I think that's why yeah. people who have tinnitus, you know, drives yes. often drives yeah. them kind of slightly mad because yeah. you can't get away yeah. from it. But is it, it's funny as well when you, I don't know what you think about um, the whole gender thing in business and in life. And again, yeah. I'm loath to attribute too much in a kind of stereotypical yeah. way to those things. And when I was in my years in boardrooms, I don't know how conscious I was of gender. It certainly wasn't, I wasn't conscious of it all the time, every day. I look back sometimes and think, mm, maybe I should have been a bit more conscious of some of the stuff yeah. that went on. But did you, do you, in terms of having to be, having to put on a sort of good face and be like, here I am, I look the part, I'm doing well. Do, do you, yes. I, that is, I think, part of running a business and being the face of a business. Do you think there's an element of that that is to do with being female or do you think that's pretty much irrelevant and whoever's fronting a business has got to have the moves and and look the part and walk the walk? I, I think, I think, I, I don't think that's to do with gender. I think you just have to do it. But I think certainly being a woman in business, I think people are harsher with their judgments. So we have to do it to a different level perhaps you know a man can come in and he can look a bit scruffy and he can get away with it with a sort of bit of bravado but if we come in and do the bravado and we look we don't look the part we, we're going to be judged more I think I, th I think there is a gender thing about it I think but I think also I think being a woman I, you know as, as you and I know it, I'm, I'm a bit like you you know there was probably things when I was younger that I wasn't really conscious of gender but there were gender issues and they just got brushed under the carpet and we just got on with it and we, we would find a way around it or we'd find a way to make it work in our favour, um, which is probably something, that, you know, it's, um, well, you had to because you've got to survive. And in and those it, days, it's yeah. hard for people to realise, I think, how much, I think often we felt, or oh, I won't speak for you, I used to feel, you felt like you were a spoil sport if you were the one to make a fuss. So the last thing, you'd almost facilitate it because you would feel like such a dick if you made the person who said something or did something or what was going on if you were the one who put yeah. your head above the parapet I look back at some things I'm like god I can't believe I accepted that but then I also think yeah but it was a comp not it was a completely different time I remember looking once what you were saying about how we can look yeah. as women in business yeah. and I do sometimes think, you know, breaking into what I'm doing in my yeah. you know, now well yeah. into my 50s. I sort of think if I didn't fully embrace looking like I would if I didn't do much about my hair yeah. and I let my, yeah. you know, didn't didn't spend 17 hours on skincare regime every day, you know, would that make a difference? <laughs> and I do remember sitting um, on, in one of the, I won't say which board because people know who I'm referring to, but I remember yeah. there was one uh, big presentation, one of the media boards I sat on. And I remember looking at the sort of five or six women who were at board level and we were all sitting there yeah. looking and it was literally like I was not sure I did but the rest of them it looked like kind of sex in the city beautiful perfectly dressed amazing women clever 
on it. And then I looked at the men in the row and I was like, Jesus Christ, these guys look like, you know, you wouldn't let them on a plane, never mind the front of the plane, unless you knew who they were. And I thought there's a real difference here of what we, how we are put together, as well as doing the stuff on the inside. We've got to do all of that. And these guys, you know, hadn't even ironed their shirts. And this wasn't long ago. This was like five years ago. No, I I think it's probably still prevalent now. I mean, I, I don't think this, I don't think that's something that's gone away. I mean, to be honest, I think on a gender thing, I, I, I think certainly the COVID times, I mean, haven't particularly helped women in the workplace. In I think what that, way? I, I, well, I, I mean, I've sort of read some sort of stats on it and stuff. And it looks like, you know, during COVID, I think we, we, we reverted to the traditional roles and, and you know, um, and I, and I think a lot of, a lot of the progress, some of the progress that has been made is probably, is being pushed back slightly but I mean I think that's more about surveys and stats that I've read I mean for me I'm just living if, if that if that makes sense I'm just living getting on with stuff you know if, which is if a good I place become... to be it's living is a good start I find people <laughs> on the podcast start, yeah. who are living are the best guests for sure <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean certainly I, I think you know there was and I think because because women ended up take, taking on the bulk of the responsibility, certainly within the whole the homes. I mean, I mean, it's not everybody who's like this, but in a lot of instances, that was what seemed to be the case. And and I think that was backed up by a load of surveys that mm. have been done. Yeah, I remember reading too. a lot about it. Yeah, yeah. And women taking them. I, I think they call yeah. it the mental load, don't they? That even and yeah. even not in lockdown, that a lot of women yeah. are taking on all the admin and all the sort of stuff yeah. that needs thinking about as well as working. Yeah, yeah. and of course that permeates then back into society. So then again, so then the attitude shifts slightly. So I think there has been a slight shift, but I mean it's a difficult one. It'll shift back. I mean it's a pendulum, isn't it? It swings. Um, but you know, I don't know about you, but I'd, I'd rather look. I'd rather go. I think also when we get dressed up and whatever, we put some lipstick on, which men obviously can't do. I don't know. It makes you feel better, doesn't it? Yeah, no, I like. I think it's our choice. Yeah, I definitely. Like, I get. Well, I go in the extremes. Like anyone who knows me in the neighbour, when I'm out walking yeah. the dog, I look like absolute shit. I saw someone the other day who'd produced a TV thing I'd done, and he looked at me and he went, "Are you? Are you Kelly Beaton?" And it wasn't even long ago, and I think he was like, yeah. "I can't equate this absolute." mess uh with the person <laughs> that I saw there and I do I, I like I like sort of both things but you absolutely agree with you I remember someone saying to me about um stand-up and I think there's an element of this in yeah. in in lots of things we do that as a female stand-up you haven't just got to be funny within the first 30 seconds like everyone does you've got yeah. to be liked and actually for a female comedian that can be as important as being funny, which is bullshit, really, because guy a male comedian's not going on thinking I've got to be liked and funny. And it was a kind of much more seasoned female comedian who said that to me. And I do sometimes think there are, yeah, there are lots of assumptions, aren't there, that are made. And yeah. and there are some, you know, I did that show Invisible about the assumption that at 50 we're meant to sort of fade away and be invisible. And actually, I'm I'm feeling more myself now than I've ever felt in my life. Well, I don't think we should ever be invisible. I mean, I just have to look at my mother. I mean, she's a force of nature. I mean, if I'm late meeting her in, in and in I'm meeting her at a bar or a coffee shop, I'll arrive and she'll be chatting to some man. I mean, it's like, <laughs> How old's your mum? I love her. Oh, she, she, she's, she'll kill I'm not, actually, she's in her 80s. I'm, I'm forbidden to give away her specific age. To okay, her. fair. To be honest, I, I don't know her specific age. Just send the birthday card with her. She's, she's been lied about it all her life, as did my grandmother. <laughs> is, it, is there a strong, because as an entrepreneur, um, 
and I always think it's a funny one, isn't it? Being called an entrepreneur, it sounds a bit sort of vague and a bit apprenticey. Um, well, what do you think an entrepreneur is? Are, are you one, and what is one in your book as as, as you sit here now? Well, I, I, I probably am an entrepreneur. I think I think I've probably earned the earned the not uh, a dirty the, word for sure. It's 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 not a dirty word. I I, I think it's um. An entrepreneur, we're, we're very specific beasts. Um, we probably don't fit into the large corporate setup. I think Elon Musk is a good example of that. You know, he's your, he's he's an entrepreneur who obviously goes against the norms on on many levels. Um, but I think an entrepreneur, I think I think you you know you've got that capacity to get up and start a business on your own, and and it's not just about starting it; it's the tenacity to push forward, and it's it's you just don't let go of something. Um, what is an entrepreneur I, I just think it's that it's somebody who's probably more comfortable running their own show than working for somebody else and who doesn't want a boss I always I never liked having yeah. a boss I remember having a boss I obviously I have had bosses many times I remember my then boss at one of the big Hollywood studios and we were going into a restaurant for lunch um yeah. not not in this country and he and I saw someone who was my first boss in telly and I went oh my god yeah. that's my first boss in telly and then yeah. and he said to me I can't imagine you having a boss and he was my boss at the time <laughs> so I obviously <laughs> was behaving yeah. as if I didn't have a boss and it's some um, and did you in, in when you talk about it's funny isn't it the Elon Musk thing because I, I don't know about you yeah. but having been obviously our own bosses and not and taking the risks ourselves and getting yeah. out there but also understanding the politics of the corporate world like you can't be an entrepreneur yeah. without coming cheek by jowl up against the corporate world and yeah. it's like watching those two clashes like him being in a really complex massive organization as a person who's like we're going to just rip up the rule book and do stuff and that absolute clash of cultures well I mean he's clearly doing that but I imagine having a few billion probably helps <laughs> and take the risk yeah well you I mean I don't think he's even taking the risk I just think you know there's there's it's with money comes power whether, whether we like to admit it or not and and it also becomes a freedom you know you, you, he, he's not worried because no matter how much he loses I doubt he's going to be completely impoverished I reckon um, he is a bit worried at the moment I mean, not not because he'll lose everything but there's a lot of ego isn't there and you sort of have to back yourself as somebody who's entrepreneurial because no one else is going to back you right so you've got to yeah. go out strive it and there must be a bit of him thinking shit am I going to fall over on the world's biggest stage well, he's he's taken well. I'm, this Twitter thing of his, I'm really. He's lost me. I don't know about you. I'm just upset that people can buy verification. I'm like, hold on a minute. I waited ages for my blue tick, and now people think I just could buy one. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I just don't know what he's trying to do with it. I mean, it's 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 an odd one, isn't it? Um, obviously, he's leveraged it quite highly. Um, but I mean, it's it's a weird one. I, I it's like he sort of stumbled into it by accident, which I think he did because I don't think he really intended to buy it, didn't he? No, it's almost it's like he lost like, a bet, isn't it? It's like someone said, "But you went yeah. on Twitter," and he's like, "Oh shit, I have actually bought it now." Yeah. It's a yeah. lesson to us all, though, in terms of the um. I I look at that and I just think, and and I remember all his stuff about hardcore work ethic. You you've got to be hardcore and put in yeah. the hours, and it's kind of I absolutely I'm a pretty much a workaholic I've got a massive work ethic but I don't I don't think anyone should be wearing working 24 7 as a badge of honor I think it's actually the opposite <laughs> if you can do both that's great you know but it's not all about work well I think you have to take time out but I also think in order to operate effectively and run your business in a good way you need to take time out because you know I mean a lot of a lot of business especially when you're an entrepreneur it's creativity driven if you're not, if you're sitting in the office twenty four seven, you're not exposing yourself to new things. I mean, even with what I do, I could actually sit in an office 
for most of the time if I really wanted to. Because there's a lot of, as you and I know, you know, businesses, there's a lot of paperwork goes on. There's a lot of sitting there in front of a computer typing, you know, uh, number crunching. But that's not where you get your creativity from. Your creativity is going out and it's from the impact that your business has within the community, you know, within the country, within the world, and also meeting your customers and and also other other business people, and it's 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 that sort of exchange of ideas, isn't it? And it's and it's seeing things, and it's it, I mean it's interesting, isn't it? But I think that's the thing about being an entrepreneur. I think it's that creative spark, and you don't get that from sitting in an office. It's funny, isn't it? The bit I always think, and that's one of the things that I think in my case massively got affected yeah. in lockdown was I realised how much I'm my energy comes from external things, which is no surprise when I make a living standing on stages. But it isn't just the bit on stage that I think a lot of people like me missed. But it's all those serendipities, kind of, I guess, what your life's like during and after work. It's when you go and have a conversation with a complete stranger that you weren't expecting to talk to because you're in a place where they happen to be and you happen to be standing next to them. And those weird things that happen and those amazing stories, you realise everyone's got a story wherever they are in the world, not just somewhere as kind of interesting and multi-layered as Soho and not hearing those. I realised, God, I really do need that external stimulation. I can't just sit in my head producing brilliant things. It doesn't work like that for me. No, no, I'm, I'm like you. I'm, I need, I need the external stimulation. But you know, in a way, that then starts to become part of your job. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We found jobs where we have to do. Yeah. Look, we've got to be out in the evenings every night because we're getting paid to be. Namaste, motherfuckers. Was it yeah. hard for you in terms of the the obviously you license your your booze and, and it is we'll, we'll put a link to it but it's so yeah. even the packet everything about it is very beautiful and distinctive yeah. and the quality is lovely I was very pleased when you moved into vodka because I have to admit I'm much more of a vodka girl than a gin girl so I know you've done um you've been you know doing vodka for a while um actually it's not that long is it when did you move into into vodka um, just in the last month or two <laughs> it's new brand new very good move yeah. as far as I'm concerned yeah. and is it so you're obviously doing a lot of business licensing in your product into bars but in terms of what, how was it in lockdown obviously when bars were shut I know people were sort of ordering stuff directly but I imagine you must have taken a massive hit when when the you well, know that sector yeah. was shut down I mean we, we've always been quite lucky because we've always been fairly evenly split between the on-trade and the off-trade you know, mm-hmm. between bars and retail so Whilst we took a hit with the bar and restaurant, you know, we, we had a good... Everyone business. was getting pissed was, at home. Yeah, so. and we, we, you know, Amazon was our friend. You know, we, you know, we, we did we did very well in Amazon, you know. it's um, and, and, you know, that was where people... And the, also the other online platforms. I mean, there are quite a few now. And, you know, you've got lots of different online platforms, haven't you? You've got your drink supermarket. Also, you've got Ocado, I mean, you know. You've got whiskey, whiskey exchange. You've got bottle club. You've got all sorts of things that have sort of sprung up over the last few years. Um, they've either been there and developed onto the next stage, or or they they've come along during that period. And yeah, you know, there's there's lots of you know there's lots of ways of selling your your spirits now without you know doing it directly in the shop or the bar. Um, you know, a lot of people develop sort of you know they sell packaged cocktails. I mean, yeah, you know, which is which was innovative and which wasn't really as strong before lockdown. But was a bloody good became, idea during. I was it, was, like, it was a good idea during. What yeah. a great thing. Mm-hmm. And also I ever mean, since then, yeah. we haven't forgotten that that's a good thing to do. It's a good thing to do. But I also think it's, there's nothing beat going into a bar 
and watching somebody make you a drink. Oh my god, I, mean, I it's have, just this yeah. whole ceremony of it. You oh. know, it, it, it's a ritual, isn't it? And, and favorite bars. It, I yeah. know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have I mean, a, my absolute favourite, my favourite margarita in the world is there's a bar near me called Aces and Eights. It's just opposite Tufnell Park yeah. Tube. And it yeah. looks like a sort of bar that they would have if it was an American road movie that sort of place that, you know, yeah. that Thelma and Louise would have ended up in or whatever. Um, it looks more like that kind of like rock, hard rock sort of bar, but it's such a great amazing bar amazing music and they just do the best margaritas ever and I find it quite hard to walk past I, I if I come back on the tube and walk past I find it really hard not to I'm like oh it's just such a lovely place but do you find um if, if you think about like what the next thing is for you so because people listening to this there are people who are entrepreneurs people who run their own businesses yeah. lots of people listening to this won't have an actual boss and they might be freelance or doing things their own yeah. way but what is it then that go? Because you you came up with this with your co-founder um, Howard yeah. Raymond in, in, yeah. in a over a kind of conversation in a bar, and that's all very well. We've all had those conversations where we're like, I yeah. know, let's go and do this. But not everyone makes that happen. So what is the difference between someone who has that that kind of conversation and then the next morning has forgotten about it, and someone like you and someone like Howard, where it becomes reality? Well, I, I think obviously with, with us, I mean, literally was, we had a conversation in the bar and it was like, oh yeah, yeah, let's do that. And then, and then, I, you know, it, it just, the idea just took, we, it took hold in our imaginations. And then, you know, we, we you know, wrote up a little business plan, but, you know, nothing particularly complicated and, and set about the next thing you know, we look, we're developing flavour profiles and we're, just, we're getting some designers into design a bottle. And it was very organic. It just, it took on a life of its own and, and, I, and obviously fueled by our imagination and the fact that we, it was something we, we, we discovered something we actually really wanted to do. And, and I think the difference is, I mean, you know, we all have chat about ideas over the years, but not every idea we talk about is going to grab us and we're going to run with it. So I think that's the number one thing. Number one, it's the idea. Because we've all had them. I mean, yeah, I've had various discussions with people. I've got, I always come up with that. I've got some fairly wacky ideas, you know. Even now, I'm terrible. But I don't always run with them. But the ones that you do run with, because they've grabbed you and, and, and you feel this passion for it. And I think for us, it was quite emotional as well because it was tied in with Howard's father. It was also tied in with my father because he was a gin drinker. And it was before the gin boom as well. So it was very much something we were doing out of, you know, some childhood memories we we both had. Whilst we hadn't had them together, it was a mutual thing we had, you know, watching our fathers have their gin and tonics at the end of the day. You know, it's and 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 I think that emotional pull probably pushed us to sort of take that idea and run with it. Uh, and then as I said, once that decision was made, it, it took on a life of its own and, and you look at the different ways of doing it and you work out a plan and then next thing you know you've got a, you've got a trial liquid that you like you've got a bottle sample bottle that you know the the, the, the manufacturer you know the bottling um factory has, has sort of made and decorated for you and and all and then you've got a product that's in your hand and it's in a shop or in a bar it's like a task on the apprentice only you didn't fuck it up you made it yeah <laughs> you, made, <laughs> you made it actually work because yeah. we've all yeah, seen the way you describe it I'm like no I've seen people try and do this Alex and usually it doesn't work <laughs> so. yeah well I mean I think also I think the thing about it is, I mean obviously I drive the business um I mean how and I have a good business relationship but I'm very much the driving force and I don't think he would disagree with that so and I'm organized I'm, I'm I mean if you meet me I, 
probably come off slightly scattered, but actually I'm I'm highly organized and but also I'm, this is the this is the bad entrepreneur thing. I do a lot of things in my head. So I've got a lot of things that I've worked out in my head as I'm going along and I wouldn't recommend that to anybody, but it's just the way I operate. And then at some point And by I that you mean you work it out and you don't necessarily communicate it or do the kind of orderly, get that on paper, make it what do you why is yeah. that a disadvantage? Well, because I say this as someone who I think does the same thing, and I've decided it's a strength, and it's a sign of brilliance. It's it's a strength and a sign of brilliance, but I wouldn't recommend it to anybody because you know, for us, we we self funded it, so I could do that. If you're wanting to go and get funding, sitting there in front of you, something going, oh, it's in my head. Yeah, and you're accountable as well, then, aren't you? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, that's it's it's not. I mean, so because we sort of self funded it, and then the business funded itself because it was it was it it sort of achieved a degree of success sooner than we'd anticipated, which was great. Um, you know, because of that, I never had to sit down and do. Although I do my own little squiggles. I mean, if you look in one of my notepads, it's. Well, you wouldn't want to. I mean, it looks like some brilliant person was out there and learning. You know, <laughs> we could probably swap notepads and see if and see if I could do stand up and you could run a business just based on each other's notepads and probably yeah, not yeah, notice the difference. Probably. Yeah, and I, it... and I have a ha- terrible habit of some drawing squares. I like to draw squares and then put different sort of angles. Oh, we need to stuff. Google what this means, Alex. <laughs> so this probably reveals something you might not want to have disclosed. I do a lot of doodling too, Thank a lot you. more doodling than uh, than joke writing yeah. when I'm supposed to be writing yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's quite yeah. hard though, isn't it? When you, I used to, um, I talk about this when I do the kind of speaker circuit, that when mm-hmm. I was running a production company and yeah. it was kind of agile, creative, fleet of foot, you came up with ideas and quite quickly yeah pilot them and see if someone wanted to invest in them and it suited me really well and then we got bought by ITV and suddenly I was sitting on the ITV board and part of a massive complex organization and the risk is that you do something entrepreneurial small scale brilliant that you believe in it's very in keeping with your and Howard's identity the whole brand and then it becomes a victim of its own success because it does so well that you become part of some massive corporation and all the stuff you love dissipates is is that a risk do you think in in scaling up well no because I'm not selling it and I'm not going to bring a big corporation in I mean it's it's just not something we're going to do you know and you know this is this is our business you know the two of us and we've made we made a decision to keep it that way um but I think you know for some people the route of you know selling out or bringing in venture capital or or something along those lines, it works for them. And for some people, that is the goal. For me, that's not the goal. I love it that that's not the goal, because you often slightly assume that is the goal for people to sell it and make money while they sleep. But it sounds like you're quite happy to be the one who's still awake running it. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's the spirits I make. It's it's meeting people, it's running the business, and and, and building it and achieving success that, that way, as far as it will run, you know, on what we can fuel it with. Um, I'm, I'm, I never built it, and Howard and I never built it to sell out. That that was never the purpose behind it. We actually built it to build something, something that was that a legacy. Sense. And I guess yeah. the the yeah. emotional, the excitement you both had, and the fact that it is a legacy to your dad and to his dad. Yeah. I guess that gives yeah. you something. What do you do on the days? I don't know how much you have this and what sort of personality type you've got, but um, I can always get myself to the point where I can do things virtually always where I can do things and sparkle yeah. and be that person. It almost always yeah. does click into place. 
Yeah. But I definitely get mornings where I get up and I'm like, Christ, I just can't be asked today. It just feels like too much. Um, and that isn't to do with age. I think I've always had yeah. days where I just feel a bit less myself or a bit less able to just go at the day guns blazing. Do you have days like that? Well, if I if I get up and I feel like, oh, you know, because I, I, do you want, I didn't. I've, Especially if I've been drinking gin till two in the morning and I often <laughs> have those days. <laughs> I think I think with me I think before lockdown I never had days like that but certainly after lockdown it's something I've experienced and I, and I don't know why that is but what I do is I will walk to work if I have a day like that and I wake up and I feel like that I will walk to work and it's about an hour and a half and, and a walk. really interesting walk from Parsons Green to yeah. Soho as well I go through yeah, many yeah. bits of London we, uh, you do and and by the time I get to the other end I'm fine I do the same um, with the dog. Yeah, yeah I, yeah. I end up as yeah. I don't have to go to work because I am at work when I wake up. Yeah. I um, yeah, I take the dog out and just don't think about it. Just get out for an hour, um, and then I always end up having some weird random conversation with somebody when I'm out, which yeah. makes me feel quite differently because I've got out of my own sort of head. But it is, I think, because it's easy to look at. I mean, thank goodness that sort of all having it all woman sort of bullshit yeah. thing that used to be in movies and stuff, you know, in the 80s that we, we sort of realise there's a lot more to it than that. But I do think it's really easy to look at somebody who's, if you look at you, look at what you've achieved, yeah. look at you sitting here now, what yeah. you're capable of, who you are in the world. It's really yeah. easy to look at that and just think, God, you must be some sort of superhuman that you can do all of that. And some people will be thinking, I just couldn't begin to. I wouldn't know how to do what Alex is doing. No, I, I, I don't. Use, I mean, I know you and I were joking about being brilliant, or whatever before. But I, I don't think it's that at all. I, I think anyone, if you if you want to do it, but it's whether you want to do it, whether you want to have your own business. I mean, having your own business is a big responsibility because at the end of the day, it's not just the the the, the, the responsibility stops with you. There's there's nobody when you work for somebody, you know. It's, it's different you know you haven't got the financial responsibility you know you you could actually walk out and change jobs mm -hmm. when you have your own business you can't do that no you know and it's and you and you create and we all love the businesses we create but sometimes it, it you know that that inability to step away from it or walk away from it you know it's 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 quite heavy to carry but so that's why if you're going to set up your own business whether it be small big or I mean you know everyone has an idea of how big their businesses want to be you know you know size is, is is irrelevant it's just doing something you love building it to a scale that you're comfortable with and if you want to do that you can but you know you have to remember you are responsible for it you you can't step away from it uh, if you wake up in the morning and you're feeling shit because it's your business and it is also, I think, and unlike kids, it doesn't grow up and leave home and no. not need you anymore. It still needs you. Do you think there's one of the things in my industry, which has some similarities yeah. with what you're doing, but in other ways doesn't? Yeah, you know, mine is all about hot air and yours is about an actual tangible, drinkable product. But when you, one of the things I used to do when I set up my own little creative agency for a bit, when the kids were little, I was a single mum yeah. and I sort of needed the flexibility of that. But one of the things I used to do was be a business mentor. It was when they were moving lots of the TV industry from London oh. to the Northwest and there were lots of yeah. grants available. So loads of companies were setting up these little Northwest pop-up kind of companies. Yeah. But usually they were setting them up with people who didn't know how to run a company. They had really great um, editorial yeah. credentials. So yeah. what, what they realized was there was this massive gap in skills whereby they had the ideas, they had the creativity, they had the little black book, but yeah. nobody actually knew how to run the business. So I spent a few years helping people bridge that gap and also having to very diplomatically help quite big egos 
realize that perhaps they were great at whatever they were great at but perhaps they did need someone to come in who was a proper CFO or perhaps they and there was that sort of delicacy of that and so when we talk about setting up a business and doing what we do and you talk about all the things with you know charisma and and passion and and it meaning something to you but there is also the element that in your case you could do that you know there is somebody in the business you had the idea but you're able to run it and and that isn't always the case is it well, well, not always, but when you hire people. If you know, but people don't know what they don't yeah. know. I mean, you must see it around you that some of your competitors and you think the bit you're missing is the person who can do the thing that you think you can do. Um, I, I get your point. I think, oh, I don't know. It's, that's a funny one. Um, I think, well, I think when you set up a business, I, you know, everyone knows the basics that they need and, and they know that they need a, an accountant, um, you know, they, 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 you know, they've got the bank manager, they've got people around them. And um, I don't, I, let me think, let me think about that one. Um, I don't know, it just came to me automatically. I mean, because I can do so much, that's probably not really something I've, I've yeah, so you can do it. Yeah, but that's yeah, the bit I mean, that, because you can do it. You 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 don't take it for granted because it's hard won everything you do. You didn't just plop no, out into hard, the world well, able no, to run work, a business, yeah. yeah. And you're from no, a line but... of entrepreneurs, right? So it's sort of in your blood as well to be someone who would perhaps do this. Well, I was I, well, when I was younger, my mother set me to work in her printing factory. So I've always, I mean, I was twelve. <laughs> I was, I was actually I was eleven, and and I went and worked in different departments. And so for me, it was something I was grew I grew up with, and I and I was trained in. Um, I think if you're not, and I, I think if you've got the entrepreneurial skills, I think, you know, there's a lot of information out there now and we can self-educate. So I don't think, so I think if you're setting up your business, you know, with all the resources that we have available to us nowadays, you know, through, you know, through the, you know, online um, uh, or even just books in a shop, I think people who are setting it up, I think there is guidance there. I, I, I don't think you're completely lost. And I also think people speak to each other and, and there are um, organisations that provide mentoring. And and I think there's a, there's, there's a lot of accessibility to help out there. I mean, even um, Instagram, if you go on Instagram, I'm always flicking through all the, all, the, all the sort of reels and what have you. And there's a lot of information out there for people who do want to set up. And I think if somebody sets up and they're determined, they will go and find it. Um, there's a lot of information provided through councils, through different, you know, business academies. And there's, there's all there's all sorts of stuff out there where there is a resource that you can tap into. So, I think if somebody's setting up a business, I think you know it's important first of all you identify what you want to do, and then you know you, you just go online and you Google and you find out where the nearest sort of you know business, as I call it, business help help desk can be found, or if you. If you're a woman in business and, and you know, there's, there's a lot of mentoring um, sort of um, agency societies. There. There's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of resources out there. You do need a kind of community, for it. though, don't you? Because I think yeah. especially when you're doing something where you put your head above the parapet as yeah. a lone person leading yeah. something new, it's quite hard to do any of that on your own. Do you? I know you're involved in various different, you know, you, you, you're you a judge yeah. in certain kind of business awards. Yeah. You're also, what, what sort of things do you do in terms of offering? Because I guess you have an enormous amount to offer people at a different stage in their business life getting into stuff. What do you do to kind of espouse that mentoring, helping, community and business because I know you're quite involved in that well I'm quite involved so, so for the last four years I've been a judge for the Lloyds Bank uh, Business Excellence Awards um, and, and that's great because I mean we need awards 
people need to be recognised. You know, when when you said we need awards because I get paid to host the awards, Alex. So we bloody well need awards. We need hundreds and thousands yeah. of them. Yeah, and I and I enjoy listening to the stories. Yeah, no, me too. Yeah, because it, I mean, it's always fascinating yeah. to see the different journeys we all take. But you know, business business excellence has to be recognised, and you know, so by sitting on these panels, on these judging panels, we also do the business champion awards, which is which is another national award. So by sitting on these panels, you, you know, it, I mean, that does actually take time out, out sure. of one schedule yeah. to do it. Um, so so that's one way I, I, I contribute. The other way I contribute, I set up, um, just when we came after lockdown, I set up uh, the Queen of Soho Business Forum. Um, what I do with that is once a year, around about March times, so Women's Day, uh, last year we, we did a, a reel and, and we interviewed um, eight strong female entrepreneurs and to find out you know what motivated them and what drove them and we put a little reel together and we put it out there and I, and I wrote an article for business matters yeah yeah and it was one of the things I highlighted was the lack of funding for women mm-hmm. which and and in actually in January I'm um, I'm linking up with with a chap who's who's putting together a networking event for women in, in London to, again, it's to put women in touch with possible investors. So again, it's, I'm involved in quite a few things that sort of, you know, help and assist women in business. And I, I mean, I don't, do I mentor? I probably mentor by accident. Yeah, you do. Well, everything you just yeah. described will have been offering mentoring yeah. help to people. Yeah, but not even just through that, but through my friends, through the women that I that I, I know who are in business, or even people I just chat to in bars. People people tend to sort of talk to me about stuff. I don't know, it's my face or whatever it is. This is one it's it's just sort of been a fact. You know, people will chat to me about things and 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 you know, they'll ask my opinion. So I think, you know, or somebody will ring me up and say, Alex, can you meet me for a coffee? And I'll sit down and, and and I'll do a bit of mentoring, but it's not really something I'm thinking about. And if you said to me, "Do you mentor, Alex?" I I don't mentor in a official capacity, but I do do quite a bit of mentoring just in the general sort of you know general daily sort of you know journey of my own life around the people I meet and the people that I'm friendly with. Well, that's um, quite pretty valuable stuff, I reckon. And those are the bits I think when you do get those unexpected bits of. help or wisdom or support I I don't know what your worldview is but even with the world as it is now and all the horrible things that are happening and some horrible people in power um I I do think mainly people are good people and I think if you go out and are willing to be open to the world 99% of your conversations will be interesting ones that you're glad you had and maybe you'll get the 1% that you wish hadn't happened but I think fundamentally people are quite interesting and the, the kindness of strangers and those random interactions are kind of what makes the world go round, really. Yeah, oh, no, I agree with you, and that's what we were all missing during lockdown. We bloody were, and that's why we were ordering yeah. all your booze online <laughs> and gaining two stone, <laughs> yeah, drinking well. King of Soho on the bloody sofa. <laughs> did you, how is it, um, before I ask you the three questions I ask everybody, how is it, so you, how did you and Howard meet? So how, how have you, you've obviously known each other a long time, but w- was it just through having a loose lifestyle in Soho or was there another? <laughs> oh, no, I, th- I, I, we, I think we met through a mutual friend um, a long time we met in a place called Namlong Le Shaker on Old Bronson Road oh actually. nice of course yeah yes. which is which is quite an it's like quite an iconic um cocktail bar it's it got is. quite a quirky history so Indeed. we we met in yeah I was I was out with a friend and she said oh Howard's joining us and 
I was actually trying to sort of, you know, scoot out because I actually doubled up and I was meant to be on a date. And that's <laughs> <laughs> my kind of story. <laughs> you do. And I was like, and I thought, oh, great, how it'll turn up and I, I can go on my date and she just, I won't have to, you know. <laughs> Sit yeah, here and just have a drink. Man, how it turned up, and I sat there for the rest of the night. So and who that. knows? Maybe that was your kind of sliding doors moment. The date you missed might have been, you know, your very it own. Probably new was. <laughs> it was definitely and, a sliding doors moment. <laughs> and and how is it running a business with? It? Obviously, you guys are running a really successful business. Yeah. It's really clear from everything about you yeah. and him that this is working, and it's something that you don't just sort of bullshit yeah. about. You love doing, and you both believe in. How is it if you were to give advice for anyone to? run a business with a friend because again that's that can go either way from my experience of business mentoring um oh advice from running a business with a friend oh make sure you like them number one because you know, yeah, <laughs> they're an actual friend make sure, you, actually, make sure you like spending time with them um I, I think if you're running a business friend you've got to make sure you complement each other mm-hmm. you've, you've got to bring different strengths to the table and I, I think I think that's that's important. And and you've got some you and you've got to, but you've, I think also you've got to you've got to you've got to understand that sometimes you will argue, but that you have to compromise. And sometimes you're right, and sometimes the other person's right. It's that you know, last bit. You've lost me at the last bit. What? <laughs> <laughs> that can't be right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that unfortunately is what happens when you're in a business with a friend. <laughs> oh, that sounds like bullshit to me. <laughs> You probably just explain why I'm still single as well. I'm like, what's this compromise word? What? Yeah, well, of course, if you would like to suggest that I'm the one who's right all the time, I'm not going to disagree with you. <laughs> I know it's really. I mean, I understand the words you're saying, but I can't imagine living them. I really can't. And what would you? I mean, you've had uh, you've had so many by the sounds of it amazing moments. We didn't even talk about the fact. Well, first of all, you lived in Holland for a bit, didn't you? Because I, I I live in Holland part of the time, and my kids are half Dutch, so I have a big Dutch. Okay. Can I, you could you could you must have got mistaken for being Dutch a lot. You look like you could be Dutch. Yeah, well, I I, I kind of fitted in quite well. Over there. I bet you did. Yeah, yeah, I lived in Amsterdam. I had a flat on on a place called Kortepinsenkracht, which is on the canal. The small well, Prince Canal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny, you were on the court of Prince Kraft and then you became king of Soho. You see, you went from a little prince to the king of Soho. That's very lyrical. Did you learn to speak any Dutch? Uh, toot scenes and hail letter. There you leaf. go. <laughs> Goodbye and very tasty, which is, I think, all you know. I like the fact you don't know hello or thank you. <laughs> and just tell me, just quickly, the space it, I, I saw on your bio that you worked for a bit on space projects for a commander of Apollo 15. So you just have to, yeah. don't tell me you know also been into space and just not mentioned it. No, but I have touched moon dust. He brought his logbook into it because obviously he he went to space. I've had men saying, "Do you want to come back to my place and touch my moon dust?" And I've always said no, Alex. Well, this this was I actually well actually this really was moon dust. Wow, that's amazing. but he opened his log, log book and all this stuff went everywhere. So, of course, the natural inclination is to get your hands and brush it off the table. <laughs> yeah. And he looked at me and go, Alex, <laughs> you've touched his American goes, you've touched moon dust. I said, really? He goes, not many people in this world have touched moon dust, he said. Wow. He's probably right. Well, that's I mean, it's a weird thought, but it's like, it's, it's probably true. And what were you doing? What was your kind of business link to the moon dust and the, and the um, Apollo um, 15 space people? Well, I I did, um, but basically he had, he had some projects that I was working on for him, 
Uh, one was the uh, was the disposal of nuclear waste into space. And just slip that in. Yeah. yeah, just little things. <laughs> little things I was doing, you know, little minor projects that yeah. were of no consequence. Okay. Yeah, and also as a result of, of working for him, um, I met uh, Lexi Leonov, who was the first guy to walk in space. He was a Russian chap. And uh, that was quite interesting because he, he was quite a small guy and David was quite a tall guy. So it was just the it was this difference the Americans have got the big tall sort of astronauts and the Russians had smaller versions because they I think they fitted better in their spaceships or something like that and the Russian there's, there's a story that the Russians you know the Americans spent like a million dollars which back then was a lot of money developing a pen that could write in space and the Russians took a, a packet of pencils <laughs> That's very good. There's a lot of metaphors in there. Yeah. Namaste, motherfuckers. What would you pick as your namaste, motherfucking, life-changing moment? It's got to be that drinking Soho with Howard. You know, when we came up with this wonderful idea to do our own spirits brand and make a gin. That, that's got to be the one, because that, that's pivotal. Did you know or when, or when you had... When yeah. you had the conversation, did you? Because sometimes we look back at those moments. Did you have a sense that this really is a moment? This is going to happen? No, I, 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 I. Well, I didn't. I didn't have a, well, about the business. I thought yes, it would happen, but I didn't realize how much it would change my life. Mm-hmm. And and it did in, enormously. So and that was definitely a moment. So the message yeah. to the young people out there who don't drink as much as people our age normally drink, just get out there, get pissed and have some creative conversations. And the next day, <laughs> your life will change for the better. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> of course, you remember to drink responsibly. <laughs> of course, drink responsibly. We do not want people not to drink responsibly. And what's your, what's your favourite joke, Alex? Well, I was, I was, oh, you know, you got me on that. It's a one. tough so question, was, isn't it? Yeah, there was, there was a joke I saw in, a, in one of these sort of crackers. Ones. What was it? It was, um, was it? Oh, I've got a new word. And you go, what is it? And what I was plagiarism. <laughs> it's really stupid. <laughs> it's the first time we've had plagiarism <laughs> as, as a word in the joke section as well. So you might well end up in the Christmas cracker episode. <laughs> that came out of Christmas cracker. <laughs> there you go. Well, we're just trawling through for them at the moment. So I will flag it with the producer. And um, and if you could give one bit of life advice, Alex, to anybody listening, what would it be? Oh, wow. Um, well, obviously, it has to be slightly entrepreneurial, doesn't it? Actually, it could be just about anything. You know, if, if you set your heart on something, you know, just keep keep your eye on the goal. Just, you know, sort of, you know, employ a little bit of tenacity. And, and, and there's a lot of white noise at the moment. So I'd suggest that at the moment, I think to a lot of people, shut out the white noise. <laughs> that was the brilliant alex robson and that's it for this week thank you so much for listening if you like what we're doing here at namaste motherfuckers even a bit as much as we love doing it please do remember to rate review and recommend the podcast so more and more lovely people like you can find us and we will be back in your feed next thursday as always when i will be talking to author of the good psychopath and i will say one of the most entertaining people you will ever hear speak dr kevin dutton when you mention a psychopath what that means is it means a distinct cluster of personality traits 
Namaste Motherfuckers was written and presented by me, Callie Beaton, and produced by Mike Hansen and Karusha Dami for Pod People Productions, with music by Jake Yap. I'm Callie Beaton. Until next time, motherfuckers. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.